Welcome. Thank you for joining us. I'm Luther Lampert, Director of Digital Banking Strategies with Northwest Bank. We're kicking off our very first Q&A session with easy tips to keep your personal and financial information secure. January 21st through the 27th is Data Privacy Week, and our goal is to spread awareness about online privacy among individuals and organizations. The goal is twofold, to help consumers understand that they have the power to manage their data and to help organizations understand why it's important that they respect their users' data. With me today is Jamie Saker, Chief Information Security Officer with Northwest Bank. Formerly the head of IT and enterprise risk for a global financial processor, Jamie has been a cybersecurity and technology risk leader for over 25 years. In addition to his cybersecurity leadership, Jamie is active in design cybernetics research, travels with his rescue pup, and resides on a farm in rural southwest Iowa. Jamie, data privacy and security is a huge topic and one I'm sure that you could discuss at length, but today I want to focus on account access and more specifically the usernames and passwords we use to log into each of our accounts. Now, we all manage so many different logins, our phone, our watches, Facebook, personal email, Amazon, online banking. Then when you get to work, we've got our work computer and credentials and all the different programs we rely on to do our jobs. So with so many different username and password combinations, why is it important that I make the effort to make different username and password combinations for each of my logins? Yeah, really good question, Luther. And, and let's talk about why it's absolutely imperative. What, really, one of the foundational things you want to do is to have a unique password uh, with every of one of your accounts that you use that's that's exposed online. Uh, a really great way to explain that is, is in a, a typical scenario that we see the attackers go through that really goes through about four stages. You know, the first stage an attacker uh, is is going to to go through is is they're they're going to try to compromise a website someplace. Let's say I'm a, a small business with with uh, my Office 365 as my email account that I use with my, my company. Um, I've got banking accounts, credit card accounts. I've got a lot of you know uh, other services out there. And I've got personal things I do, like maybe I've got a gym membership. And you know, recently we've seen several national gyms uh, undergo hacking attacks where the bad guys get in and, and go through this first stage of what we call a credential harvesting attack. These are professional hackers that they're simply out there trying to steal usernames and passwords and anything else that they can get out of those databases. So uh, the bad guys go in, they, they get into that, that database for your gym membership, they download the entire database. And, and what's, what's going to be in that database? You're going to have things like your, your first name, last name, your address. Uh, maybe you've got some payment information. Sometimes that's not even necessary to have a credit card on file. Hopefully that's not going to be in there. But you're going to have things like your, your email address, your, your password that you use to log into the gym is going to be in there, and maybe some other really interesting stuff like your age um, and so on that can really lead to, to some problems to, in, the, in the subsequent stages. So the bad guys take that information, they package it up, and they list it for sale 
on a dark web online marketplace. And that's really the, the, the end of that first stage. That, that's all those, those credential harvesters do. That's a business for them. They get paid when someone comes along and says, you know what, I'm going to buy up a database of people. I'm going to grab all that information and I'm going to run it through my tools on the next stage of the hacker. Uh, and I'm going to do things what, like what we call uh, password spraying. So I'm going to have a list of maybe 200 different websites out there on the Internet, a couple hundred different websites on the Internet and um, things like Google, uh, Facebook, bank of you know large national banks uh, credit card companies even things like intuit your quickbooks logins um all of those are going to be out there and, and they know the services that require a username uh which is typically uh, around perhaps the email address so my office 365 email is my username and if i've reused that password they're going to be able to either quickly get into that or see that they are super close to getting into that. They might have a more step to do. So, so back to our scenario now, the bad guys have identified some potential sites to log into. I've got a bank that seems to be responding to the, the, the email address and shared password. I've got a LinkedIn account. Um, I've got obviously the Office 365. So that takes them to the next stage. So now we're into the third stage of really kind of curating the, the compromised uh, uh, intelligence that they have uh, on, on, on their targets. So in this third stage, uh, the bad guys are going to come along and uh, they may be missing a piece. Like maybe they have to have a SMS text. Uh, maybe they have to reset a password or, or, or have a, a, a something else to, to allow them to get in. We see in that, that third stage a lot of cases where if you have shared the same password with, say, your mobile provider, your Verizon account or T-Mobile, they log in there and they're able to say, hey, I just bought a new phone. I want to copy all of my stuff to this new phone that's in my hands and turn off the other phone. And that's where now they can get your SMS messages as well, complete that login process. That brings them to the fourth stage, which is really what we call in the, the cyber side of things, actions on objectives. They're in your banking accounts, your credit card accounts, whatever they, they have that they can then start to move money around and, and, and drain your wallet. So by not sharing that password uh, immediately, you're you're going to be so much more secure because they can't do that reuse that that we see so commonly. Okay, so now how do I go about actually maintaining different usernames and passwords for you know dozens, if not hundreds, of different logins that we have? Are there tools that are available and reliable to help me do that? You're, you're absolutely right. You know, I, I looked the other day at how many passwords I try to maintain, and and uh, uh, it's got to be north of 500 with all the different, you know, personal things, work things. It seems like uh, every different cybersecurity solution we have is requires a different login. Um, so you got to keep those organized. And I really recommend that, that everyone should have at least two kinds of tools in their arsenal. The first tool is going to be a password manager. Some some people call them password vaults. They're functionally the same thing. It's a, it's an application. That, that either is on your, your mobile device, sometimes can also be shared in the cloud. We're going to talk about that in a second. Uh, but it, it, it allows you to securely store your passwords in that application. Now, there are a couple ones I like to work with. Um, one is called 1Password. Another one is called Keeper. There are a lot of other ones out there. And rather than recommend a specific brand of, of a password vault, I really encourage people to think about the kind of use they want to have. Uh, there are password managers that keep everything just on your device. 
Now, as long as you're backing up your device, say to the Apple Cloud or Google Cloud or whatever, you're going to be fine if something happens to your device. But it could be a little bit inconveniencing if you're you have to go a couple days before you've got a replacement phone and you've got that backup restored, et cetera. That could be pretty impactful. I like. To, to use uh, password managers that also store things in a secure encrypted cloud and allows me to log in through a web browser to that same cloud. So I use the same uh, uh, password manager to maintain my web passwords. So I'm logging on to my, my personal banking account. I've got access to that information there as well. Um, those kind of password managers are really cool to use, uh, you know, looking at what kind of, of, of cloud storage you want to have versus on your device only. Uh, and then a lot of them have some extra features, things like they will help recommend passwords for you too. Those are typically built into these recommending secure passwords. Um, that's one way that we can go about uh, generating a secure password uh, in those applications. The other tool I think you're going to want to have in your arsenal is a multi-factor authenticator. There's a good variety of them out there. Google's got a great one. Microsoft has a really good one. There's other ones, I think uh, Keeper uh, and some other other brands of, of uh, authenticators are out there. These are the applications that you install on your mobile device and you open them up. Sometimes they'll ask you for a biometric like your, your thumbprint. Very important to have your, your, your password manager and your multi-factor authenticator using a biometric. Um, when you log into those, that's going to allow you to set up that multi-factor uh, exchange between the, the sites that you're using and your device. So we really have multiple multi-factors occurring in that case. We have a password that's very secure that we've, we've used, and then we have the multi-factor authentication, but we also have our biometric and the fact that it's our device and we know it's our device really makes that a lot more secure. Those are really the two most important things I, I, I think are necessary for setting up an account. But the last part really is applying those two pieces together. You know, I, I would go to every single uh, website, every service I have out there, Facebook, Google, Gmail, everything, and turn on that multi-factor authentication. Even with Twitter, uh, we saw the other day that uh, the Securities and Exchange Commission had their Twitter account compromised, and there was some really interesting activity around Bitcoin trading uh, that, that occurred because a bad guy got in and set, made an announcement that looked like it was official. Good chance that multi-factor authentication was not being used in that case, and you can see why even an account like Twitter could, could really be something you want to control closely, especially with your business. Okay, so now whether I'm managing my own passwords or I'm using a password manager to help me do that, what are some of the things I need to know to make sure that the passwords and usernames I'm creating are strong and actually going to help keep me protected? Yeah, there's some really interesting uh, math around the ability for a hacker to to crack open a password. Uh, you know, with with the acceleration of what are called uh, GPUs or graphical processing units that that uh, are used to to use some very strong cryptographic computational processes, bad guys can break into simple passwords in a matter of seconds to minutes to maybe in the worst possible case days. What now? What do I mean by a, a simple password? A seven or eight character password that is just lowercase. That's going to take literally seconds to minutes to brute force all potential possibilities there and, and get in. A lot of times even faster than that. Now, if we go to, say, a 12-character password that's got numbers and uh, lowercase letters, um, we're talking about months to maybe years to break into it, depending on you know some complexities there. What, what you really want to have is a password that's got lowercase, uppercase, 
numerical uh, uh, numbers and special characters. And that, that can sound like a lot, especially if you don't have your, your password manager with you to, to create the password. But there's a little little cheat that I like to do, and it's it's uh, kind of coming from old school cybersecurity practices where we had uh, a, a a way to to notate things that we call leet speak l e l three three t. We like to spell words in a hacker style. You might see this on TV shows like Mr. Robot, where we're we're replacing uh, letters with uh, of uh, special characters and numbers, for instance. And so I like to make up passwords like uh, peanut butter. Taylor Swift, and that's going to be my password basis. But I'm going to put that through that lead speak process. So we're going to substitute out the the words like peanut with a combination of the numbers and the letters. So I'm going to have an uppercase P. The three uh, is my E. I'm going to replace my A with an at sign N U T. And there I've got already just in a couple letters a little bit more complicated of a, of, a, of a word to crack open. I might put a dash between each of my words, so peanut dash, butter ta, ba, dash Taylor dash Swift, and by replacing substituting those those special characters and numbers for any of the symbols, you know, an, an E becomes a three, an A becomes an at sign, etc. Suddenly I've got a really secure password that's sixteen twenty characters long, and yet all I remember is it's something very simple. So that's one way if we have to go create a password when we're not uh, uh, using a password manager to to do that. Now obviously. You know, we're going to want to put those passwords in the password manager anyway. So sometimes the best best practice is just to use that password manager in the first place. Well, it's great to know that there are several different options out there to help me manage my passwords uh, and make sure that my information stays secure. But Jamie, in lieu of doing all that, what is one simple thing that you see people not doing that they should be doing to keep their information safe? Probably the, the, the best thing that's not commonly put out there is, is to have a practice of password management hygiene. Go, go back from time to time and, and take a look at when you, you're resetting passwords. Not all, all services are going to tell you you need to reset a password. And passwords become stale. Just think of it kind of like stuff sitting in your refrigerator. You know, it's been in the back of the refrigerator for a year and a half. And that's probably something you want to think about. Because if, if a website like a gym site or some other, you know, I signed up for, for a, 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 a grocery store discount card, they never asked me to reset my password. Those are the same kind of places that are going to see those databases compromised on a more frequent basis because they're just not seen as as more important to secure than, say, like a bank or a credit card company that has all sorts of regulations around protecting their websites. Now, a, a grocery store discount website uh, uh, giving you coupons and such just probably isn't going to have the same level of security. And so you, you, you're going to want to go through and just, you know, keep you know, eyeball from time to time the passwords that you have in there and just go out and reset them. Um, it's, it's, that's especially concerning when you're sharing the same email address. To that point, one other thought too is to set up and, and use a different email address for the non-essential things, the more insecure things. Um, not only do you control your email so it doesn't come into your work or personal account, it goes to your junk account, but then if the bad guys compromise that gym membership website, and the only email account they're going to get there is that junk account. They're not going to even know how to log into your bank or your credit card with the proper email account that you are using for that. 
Unfortunately, regardless of these steps and proactive measures being taken, it's still possible that your information becomes compromised. And Jamie, in that case, what's the best way to be prepared and know what to do if you believe your information has fallen into a fraudster's hands? One of the, one of the things we practice at the bank is, is simulating and playing the bad event happening. Uh, I, I think a, a tremendous practice for password management, account management, is to actually role play what am I doing today if I just learned that I've had some of my email accounts, my passwords compromised, I'm seeing activity of, of it uh, in different places. What am I doing? If, if you think about, you know, you're, you're, you're over in France, you're walking through Charles de Gaulle Airport, and suddenly you discover your wallet has been taken from you. What are you going to do if you don't even remember which credit cards, which identity uh, artifacts that you, your driver's licenses, et cetera, that were even in there? You had you have no r real recollection other than I'm pretty sure these three or four things were in there, but I probably had 17 other things in there. That's not where we want to be. So this is another reason that password managers that password manager is really going to be your best friend because that is your vault. That's your inventory of identities that you are maintaining. You can go to that vault, and some of the some of the password managers allow you to to tag different things, like these are my financial accounts, these are my social accounts, etc. Really great practice to tag them because then you can know immediately. You log into the website because my my credentials have been and somehow stolen someplace. Which are the most important things in my vault that I need to start acting on? What does that look like? Obviously, some of the first things we want to be doing are are, are calling our, our our financial management partners, our banks, our credit card partners, etc. Um, but we also want to think about some other things. You know, we we do we have an exposure in our if we have our email compromise? What about our accountants, uh, other people that are trust related? relationship partners with us in the way that we do business. And I want to put, put that out there for a reason. We are seeing such a tremendous uptick in what's called synthetic fraud. We had a recent case of an Iowa business that was uh, had their Office 365 account compromised. It was a case where they were using just their password without multi-factor authentication, and then they were sharing that password with lots of other different websites. So the, the Russians, in this case, actually got into the, uh, the Office 365 account and they started looking around. Who does this business do do work with? Well, here's their bank. Here's their insurance provider. Here's their their accountant. Um, it, you know, here's their their TurboTax or their their QuickBooks account. All of this stuff is is just stored there for the bad guys to 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 to, to pick through and and determine how they're going to attack. I, I mentioned synthetic identity attacks. Uh, in in cases like this, uh, Russians, Chinese, and other threat actors love to create a synthetic identity that really looks completely legitimate down to actual pictures stolen from LinkedIn. They create driver's licenses, passports, whatever that look very legitimate. And they use those to posit that they are a partner to this business uh, that has been brought into a trust relationship like with a bank. And so recently we've, we've seen cases of this that we've sh shared with a, a federal intelligence that uh, a, a business was asking to have a brand new accountant brought in to help them with doing things like wire transfers. 
fortunately, you know, we we were able to detect, to detect that uh, and, and help protect that that bank customer. But it's again, if you 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 have no awareness of what all credentials you are trying to manage, you don't even know where to start, and you might not be quick enough to respond to uh, the threat when it when it occurs. So I really recommend going back to that principle of simulate and play. Simulate what the bad scenario would look like, and then rehearse it, play it through. You're going to find uh, things to really kind of tighten up your your practices. You're going to do a better job inventorying things, and you're even going to you know tag things so so when the bad day eventually does happen, you're, you're going to be faster than the bad guys that are trying to attack you. That's great advice, Jamie. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. I really appreciated it. To quickly recap, here are some ways to keep your account information secure. Make sure to use different usernames and passwords to each individual login that you have. Use a password manager to help you keep track of your various login credentials. Use strong, complex passwords on each account to protect your information. Make sure you change your passwords periodically and have a playbook of what to do in the event that your personal information is compromised. To monitor your Northwest Bank login information, Northwest Bank offers account alerts so that you can be notified anytime anyone attempts to log into your online banking account. If you aren't already enrolled in Account Alerts, you can set these notifications up by clicking Manage Alerts the next time you log into Northwest Bank's online or mobile banking. Thanks for listening today. Keep checking our website, nw.bank, for more conversations like these and to stay up to date on financial best practices from Northwest Bank. Northwest Bank.